Uh, it is good to see all of you. Uh, good to see all of you who, who are with us and joining us online today. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of our service, today is Palm Sunday. And uh, one week uh, prior to Easter. And this whole week and everything it has in its possession, its meaning, uh, we're starting out today. Uh, let me invite you to open up your Bibles. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. Matthew, chapter 21 today. And we, we are just finished up a, uh, I think it was a six-week series where we travel through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7, with a series we call Matters of the Heart. And kind of setting that up and all the way through it, um, I just felt in, in my heart that that was a, a, a time to spend in the Scriptures to literally prepare us, uh, to prepare our hearts for what the Lord would want to do next. And, and so we're starting a series today for Easter called The Renewal. And we're going to look at that beginning here with uh, Matthew 21, the sermon, or excuse me, the triumphant entry. Uh, is where we're going to pick up today. I just want to tell you, coming up in just a few weeks on Sunday the 18th, April the 18th, uh, we're going to have water baptisms. And we're going to be talking a lot about that over the next two weeks leading up to that. And so uh, we've mentioned it a, a time or two before. I uh, want to make sure you are aware of it. And um, we're, we're just really believing out of the spirit of renewal of what God is wanting to do in the hearts and lives of, of, of us here, at least. I just believe for big things. I'm believing for God to really touch our hearts and to really move in our lives and to just breathe and to bring forth a, a, a fresh renewal in our spirits and in our souls and our relationship with Jesus. And so uh, we've been praying and, um, and, and believing the Lord to draw and bring forth the lost and uh, to bring in the prodigals uh, back home. And so I would just in, continue to ask you to pray and believe uh, for those in your own life. Uh, maybe it's someone in your neighborhood. Maybe it's someone in your workplace. Maybe it's someone in your school uh, or someone in your family. Uh, to be praying for them if they don't know the Lord or if they have uh, walked away from the faith in a way and, um, and, and believing for the, the Lord to bring them back home and Pray and consider maybe asking them to come to church with you over the next few weeks. Uh, because I just believe there's going to be an outpouring starting. Uh, he's already done some work, but I believe there's going to be greater things that God's going to do. An outpouring of His Spirit in our church uh, that is just going to be something that uh, is, is a, a, something that happens inside. And uh, that's just the work that only the Holy Spirit can do. So consider who you might ask to bring uh, in, over the next couple of weeks. And, um, and, and I believe uh, that God will answer those prayers and help uh, guide you in that. Uh, listen, let's pick up here. Matthew chapter 21, um, the triumphant entry. This is Palm Sunday. And again, series called The Renewal. I'm titled today's message, Renew Me Again. Renew me again. Um, and so the word renewal, it, that's what that means. It means to begin again. To begin again. And it might sound a little ironic to start out this, um, with this theme of renewal, begin again on Palm Sunday, as we start with this text, the triumphant entry, uh, where it really marks the beginning of the week, 
what's called Passion Week or Holy Week, the week where Jesus is preparing himself as the Passover lamb to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And, um, and it looks like what is the ending is really just the beginning. Where, the, where Jesus is centering his heart and his spirit, his mind around doing God's will. And that's what this, I believe, this text, this story uh, really uh, showcases and displays is, is that. The heart and the spirit of Jesus, one who is just determined to do God's will. You know, sometimes to do his will does not mean it's easy. Any, anybody agree with that? Sometimes to just do His will doesn't mean it's always an easy thing to do. Meaning we might have to pray for some faith, pray for some courage, pray for the ability to just have, uh, to be able to stand and, and carry on and, and do His, what we believe is His will in our life. And um, Isaiah said it this way. He said this in Isaiah 50 verse 7. He said, I have set my face like a stone determined to do God's will, and I know I will not be put to shame. I have set my face like a stone. I am determined to do God's will. And just prior here in Matthew 21, just prior to this chapter, in chapter 20, Jesus takes some time with his disciples. Uh, he takes them away privately and talks to them about what is about to happen. And he's pre- trying to prepare them that, hey, I am, we're going to Jerusalem and I, things are not going to be, this is not going to be a pleasant week. Um, things are not going to look that good for, for me. And I'm, I'm going to be betrayed by the religious teachers uh, of the law, and uh, they're going to turn me over to the Romans where I'm going to be tried, I'm going to be accused, I'm going to be mocked, uh, I'm going to be beat with a whip, and, and then I'm going to be hung on a cross. Like, oh, wow, way to be a downer, Jesus, you know, telling us it's not going to be a great week. And he said, but on the third day, I will rise from the dead. I will rise from the dead, he said. So, I'm just letting you know how this week's going to be. But by the end of the week, things are going to shift. Things are going to change. And I'm going to come back from the dead. And he was preparing his disciples to say, Look, guys, whatever it looks like to you, I am ready. I am determined to do God's will. You know, in this triumphant entry, it shows us that we as well need to be able to have the heart and the spirit of Jesus like he did, to have the willingness to just let God take over. The willingness to, let, to just let Jesus take over in our life. You know, when we let him take over, as part of the song we were singing and the prayer we prayed, was that when we let him take over, he, the way he takes over ends up being greater than if when we were in control of it. And you take whatever scenario, whatever situation that any one of us might have going on right now in our life, that if we will truly just let Jesus take over, that's what he's asking. This is what he's demonstrating in this triumphant entry, at least one of the takeaways we could, we could walk away with from today, is, hey, have the willingness 
to just let Jesus take over your situation? Let him take over whatever robs you of sleep. Let him take over whatever puts fear in your heart. Let him take over whatever makes you anxious. Let him take over of whatever you don't know. Let him take over of your secret sin. Let him take over your your thing. Whatever it is, whatever stronghold is in your life, let Jesus take it over. And that's what he begins to show us. Let's pick up there in verse 1. Matthew 21.1 says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem... They came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. And he said, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and He will immediately let you take them. I mean, come on. Can you imagine me standing there, and He says, Go over there, and you're going to find a donkey and a colt, and just untie them, and bring them back to me, and if somebody stops you, you just tell them the Lord needs them. Talk about letting Jesus take over. Think about that. What has he called you and I to go and untie? That's locked in our life. What has he said? Untie it. Let me have it. Take your hands off of it. And let me do what I want to do with it. What's in our life? that we need to untie. And then in verse 4 it said, This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, and riding on a donkey's colt. Is that how a king enters a city or a group of people? Typically not. No, that's not the normal way, but Jesus was not your normal king. He could care less about the pomp and circumstance. He didn't care if there was a green room set up behind the stage with all his favorite snacks and drinks. You know, the temperature at the right temp, just it's got to be 72 degrees. Only distilled bottled water fed by the springs of Galilee. Only green M&M's, not yellow, just green, because I'm green. I've gone green. No pork, because Jewish, I can't eat, can't do that. Just chicken. You know, whatever, you know, he, he didn't, he, he was not your normal earthly king, because he was not an earthly king, and that was the whole mix-up with people, was that he didn't come to try to set their earthly thing right, with what they thought. He cared about their earthly lives. He cares about our earthly life right now. But we're not called to put him in the wrong pedestal. He has one throne, the throne of heaven. His footstool is the earth. Remember, he rules over. He is over all things. 
And But this is how he comes riding in. But just look at what he does with what they untied. He used them as an entrance. He will use whatever you and I loose to him as an entrance into our life and as an entrance into, the, into this world through the gospel. Make no mistake about it, you and I have always been called to share the gospel. We have always been called to go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said he will be with us always. We are always called to do this. We are not called to live shut up in our own world. We are called to be light, called to be salt. That's how the whole Sermon on the Mount started. So you're called to be an expression of who Jesus is and whatever has us bound up or locked up or tied up. He says, let me have it and I'll use it so that I can make an entrance in your life and I can make an entrance through your life into other people. He wants to use your story. He wants to use your past in a way he redeems it and shows how he takes what was and makes it what can be. And then he says this, verse 6, The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. <clears throat> and I want to zero in on these last few verses here. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Others cut palm branches, palm Sunday, palm branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting. Here they were, taking garments and palm branches, putting them down on the road, on the path where the donkey and the colt would carry Jesus, creating a red carpet, so to speak, if you will, a, a parade of welcoming him in. You see, they, they didn't even realize what their prophetic actions were even doing, perhaps, in that they were purposely making a designated space for Jesus to be the center. You know, that's what, that's what happens when you and I pray, when you and I sing together, worship the Lord when we express our love to Him, when we lift our hands to Him and just throw it all up and say, God, I acknowledge You. When we read the Bible, when we study the Scriptures, when we let the Word of, of God come alive in our hearts, we're making a designated space for Jesus to be the center of our life. You know what it's like to have your equilibrium thrown off a little? Maybe, a, you know, an inner ear thing, fluid on the eardrum, those types of things. Yeah, I had that happen to me once in a really bad way. I can't remember how many years ago it was now, but it happened one day I was at the office at the church I worked at in Memphis, and, and I, I came out of a meeting, and, uh, and I just, everything started spinning. Not because the meeting was bad, uh, it just, that was what was happening, and I come to find out, I, th- I thought, literally, it felt like I was going to die. That's how off my balance was. Ended up going to the doctor, getting it straight, figuring it out. But when things are not centered, life is unbalanced. And the longer life stays unbalanced, the more unhealthy our souls tend to get. And 
these folks were making a path and they were creating a space for Jesus to be the center of that procession. You see, but he can't be the center of our procession, the center of our life until we're willing to untie what he wants. And when we let him have it all, then he takes his rightful place in the center of our life. And when, we, when he becomes the center of our life, he puts everything in the right perspective. He puts our attitudes in check. It's amazing how the fruit of the Spirit will come alive when Jesus is the center. You know, I read this once. It's not me that thought of this, but it's something along the lines of this, that the, the Holy Spirit in our life is not there just so we can speak in tongues or prophesy, but so we can exercise self-control and learn when to shut up. See, it's not one or, it's both and. Sometimes us charismatics tend to flare up on the side of the big one and shy away from the other one. But James said you can't have clear water, fresh water, and bad water coming out of the same mouth. That's not even the point of this message. Lord, help me. But talking about Jesus being the center of our life. And when he's the center of our life, then he can reach every other part of us. When he's in the right place, he can do everything. He can touch everything. He can see everything. He can know and hear and listen to everything. And then he knows how to, how to steer and how to guide and how to do whatever needs to happen in our life. Then verse 10 says, or excuse me, let me read the rest of verse 9, what they were shouting. They were shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. And in verse 10, the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. And they asked, who is this? And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The entire city, Jerusalem, pretty big. Entire city in an uproar. The Passion Translation says this. The people went wild with excitement. And the entire city was thrown into an uproar. That is to say, the city was shaken like an earthquake. There was a serious celebration going on. People were literally wild with excitement. Why was this city so wild with excitement? Why was it shaken like an earthquake? What caused this? It's really who caused this. The answer was in the crowd that replied, This is Jesus prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. The Hebrew word for Nazareth is this. It means the branch or victorious one. It means the branch or the victorious one. So what they were shouting was, this is Jesus, the victorious branch here in our midst. They knew what they were saying. They recognized this was just not anyone There was this procession that was filled with excitement, wild excitement, 
shaking like an earthquake excitement because they of who was in the center of their life at that moment. Jesus, the victorious one, was there. Question, does Jesus, the victorious one, excite you anymore? Does he excite you? Not the religious facade of Jesus, but the person, the power of Jesus, who he is, who he is, and what he's capable of accomplishing in a life that surrenders to him and lets him take over. Does he excite you? If so, then hey, Share it, spread it, let others know about it. If not, he wants to. If not, he really does. He wants to excite you in a sense. I'm not talking about an emotional hype. I'm talking about a deep inner change that is solid, that is steadfast, that doesn't go with the flow of the world that doesn't flip-flop with how you feel one day or the next, but this Jesus, really, truly, the victorious one, the one you fell in love with a long time ago, the one who captivated your heart, the one who completely uh, changed you and shifted everything in your life, the one who, before you had $12, and now you have $1,200, I'm not talking, you know what I'm talking about. Before you were anybody, before you graduated, before you accomplished, before you became, before you did, before anybody thought anything good of you, Jesus thought well of you. Jesus thought good of you. That Jesus who smiled on you, that Jesus who, who is ferociously in love with you, that Jesus who came to your darkest night of your life and saved you and believed in you and delivered you. And, de- and brought you out of despair, that Jesus, does he excite you anymore? He wants to. He wants to be that victorious one in your life. He wants to be that victorious one in our life. question is, what stops that from happening? What keeps that from being a reality Because Jesus truly does. He wants to bring a spirit of renewal to his church. To you and I. In these last few minutes, I'm reminded of a story in in the Old Testament. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to do my best to kind of paraphrase this. But you can read about it. It's in 2 Kings chapter 7. And the story centers around these four lepers. It's always amazing to me how... How God has a way of of picking, choosing, and using the least of these to do great things for Him. It's always astounding to me how He does that. But the story centers around these four lepers. And at this time, to give you a little background, at this time there was a famine in the area in Samaria because of the army of Aram had come and besieged them. And because of the famine, the cost of living went way up. And at that time, Elisha was the prophet. 
And the king of Israel at the time, through, through this time period of this famine, he grew impatient. And he was like going to... He said, find me the man of God. Find me this prophet, Elisha. I, gotta, I need to talk to him. And he was wanting to know, why is God so slow at changing things? Anybody ever thought that before? <laughs> why is it taking you forever to wake up to my world. Hello? (laughs) And he was growing extremely impatient. He's like, I don't even want to wait for him anymore. Uh Uh-oh. In other words, I'm going to take this into my own hands. Anybody know what happens when that happens? We tend to make a real big mess of things when we take things into our, our own hands. And we don't just let it go. Well, Elisha was talking. He, the king had sent an officer to Elisha to find out what was happening. And Elisha said, you just need to be patient. If you'll hold on one more day, the Lord's going to turn all this around. The cost of living won't be so high. Everything will balance back out. Things will shift. Things will change. And, and if you're standing there looking in the natural realm and looking at things, you could, you could see that, man, this sounded crazy. How can God take this natural disorder in my life and turn it around by tomorrow? Secret. God's been working on it long before that moment. And you know all those people who, who seem to be overnight stars and, and, and just suddenly on the, on the scene? Those are people who have been working their tails off for years to get to where they are. I'm not like condoning anybody in per se. I don't have anybody in mind when I say that. I'm just saying no one's an overnight success. It takes time. The Lord was working from the beginning of this thing, and he was about to show himself strong on their behalf and bring a great renewal to his people if they could just be patient. And the officer heard Elijah say that, and he was like, Yeah, right. There's just no way. Even if the Lord himself opened up the windows of heaven, there ain't no way that's going to happen. And Elisha was like, well, I wish you wouldn't have said that because you're going to actually see it happen and you're not going to be around to enjoy it. And so then comes in these four lepers. These four lepers are standing outside the city gate and they're talking to themselves. And obviously they're starving and they're not able to have anything. They're not allowed to go into the city and because of their leprosy. And they're saying, you know what, if we, if we, um, if we go back to the city, we're going to die. If we stay where we are, we're going to die. What if we go forward and just go to the Aramean army and surrender ourselves? At least we have a chance. If they let us live, we'll have something. If they kill us, we were already going to die anyway. In other words, we've got nothing to lose. Got nothing to lose. So what they do? They, they go back? They stay put? Or did they go forward? They decided to go forward. So here's what, here's what happened. When they made the decision, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to end. 
I don't know what is around the corner for us, but all we know is if we go back, we're going to die. If we stay put, we're going to die. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot and go forward. And so as they made the decision to go out and show themselves to the Aramean army, here's what was going on behind the scenes. God was at work and he freaked out the Aramean army. He made sounds like chariots and horses and an army that the Arameans said to themselves, my goodness, that king of Israel has went and hired the Hittites and the Egyptians, and here they come, they're gunning for us. They freaked out. They left everything. They left their horses, their donkeys, they left their supplies, their food, all of their monetary items. They left everything, their tents, they left it all and ran. They were scared. Was there an army? No. Did it sound like one? Yes. Who caused it? God. Talk about the Lord moving in mysterious ways. You ever, anybody ever said that or heard somebody say that? That's one of those things that you just cannot explain. I don't know how God did it, but he did it. But he did it when four unknown lepers said, let's go forward. We've got nothing to And they did. So when they got into the Aramean camp, they saw nobody was around. There was no one. And they began to see tent after tent after tent. Food, supplies, you name it, everything. Gold. And they were experiencing a supernatural renewal. The Lord made it happen. Because they made a decision. If we go back, we're going to die. If we stay, we're going to die. Let's try and see what happens if we go forward. We got nothing to lose. And as a result, they, be, they began to experience a renewal in their life. It was a physical thing, obviously. But the Lord himself made it possible. And they were having themselves a good time. Just ecstatic of what they were experiencing. They began to have another conversation and they said, you know what, it's not right for us to just experience this for ourselves. We need to go back to the city and let the people know that what once held them captive, God took care of it. And so they did, they went back to the city, told the gatekeepers about what happened. And they began to verify that it was true. They shared their renewal with other people. You know, God not only cares about what He can do in you, He also cares about what He can do through you. Make no mistake about it, when God blesses you, When God softens your heart, when God draws you close to Him, it's not always just for you, but it's also an opportunity for God to work through you to reach other people. And that's what they did. So the people went up, ended up going, went back, experienced their renewal. They got in on this whole thing too. And then this whole story ends with an exclamation mark. 
God always gets the last word. Make no mistake about it. The enemy might leave and slam the door, but God always gets the final word. It ends with, and it came to pass. What came to pass? The word of the Lord through the prophet Elijah came to pass. He said, tomorrow at this time, the cost of living is going to be driven way down, back to normal. And that's what happened as the people went in, were able to retrieve what was theirs. Everything balanced out. And the king put that officer who said, if the Lord himself opened the windows of heaven, this thing couldn't happen. Put him in charge of guarding the gate to control traffic. People were too excited. They trampled over him and he died. He did not partake. He saw it, but he did not get to partake of it. And so it came to pass. It came to pass. What, what word is still outstanding in your life? What promise of God is still outstanding in your life? Hold fast to that. Remind yourself and remind the Lord what he said. The phrase, and it came to pass, appears over 450 times in the King James Version. In other words, God's pretty good, awful good, exceptionally good at doing what he said he would do. The enemy wants to freak us out and make us doubt, but God is good at keeping his word. I love what... Pastor Mark Batterson says, he said, God wants us to get where God wants us to go more than we want to go where God wants us to go. He's awfully good at it. Even when we made a wrong turn, he reroutes. Better than the GPS version on that device. God wants us to get to where he wants us to go more than we even want to get to where we want to go. And that might mean we might still have a big desire to get where God wants us to go. But think about it. His desire for us is greater than our own. That's how good he is at keeping his promise. If we will just put him and keep him center. You know, we're all kind of like these four lepers in a way. Faced with those decisions do I go back? Do I stay put? Or do I go forward? Trusting God. Letting go. Turning it over. Untying it and letting Him have it. And you'll find out, we all will, if we will go forward with God and give Him whatever it is. He has a way of making things work out in a way that you and I never could. You know, without Jesus, there can be no renewal, for He is renewal. His essence is renewal. His essence is life. And this triumphant entry, this whole story, shows us we have to be willing to go forward and let Jesus ride into our life let him take over to be the center of our life 
so that renewal can be possible. Folks, I don't know where all of us are, but there's a good chance we need the Spirit of the Lord to blow fresh into our life. To blow away some old crusty stuff. You know, He can even move stones, and we'll talk about that next Sunday. But whatever's heavy in our life, He can move it. Whatever puts us in the dark, He can open it. Whatever keeps us unsure, tied up on the inside, He can free it. He wants to be the center. And at the center, He can bring and be and breathe renewal wherever we might need it in our life. Today, we've been talking a lot about a spiritual vow renewal, praying a prayer of renewal for the last several weeks. And I have a prayer today that I want to pray that whoever would like to pray it. It's based all out of Scripture, Psalm 51. It's a prayer of David. I took New King James, the Message, the New Living, and the Passion versions and took parts out of each of those translations and created this version of the prayer. So it's a little lengthy, but it was prayed originally with sincerity and recreated with the hopes that God would hear it, God would honor it, and our souls would receive what we need. So I'm going to invite you, if you're watching from online, you're watching from uh, from here, you're here with us today, that man, I I, I just want to be open to the Lord to renew me. And here's the thing about that. You don't even have to know all of it. Like, you don't even have to sit here and think uh, this, that, or the other. Maybe there are some pertinent things on your mind that you know you need the Lord to deal with. Maybe you're kind of just drew a blank like, well, the idea behind it is just to be open for the Spirit of the Lord to bring renewal into our life. And if that's you, you want to pray that with me, I'm just going to invite you to stand where you are if you're able to stand. And we're going to pray this together. This will be on the screen. I promise you it's not a, uh, I'm not tricking anybody. This is all Scripture. You're just going to pray Scripture. And a copy of this will be available on our website this week if you'd like to download it and have it for yourself. We're just not passing stuff, paper stuff out to you. But it's Psalm 51. So this, this prayer, we can't all bow our heads and close our eyes or we won't know what to pray because it's on the screen. But I'm just going to lead it and you just pray along with me if it's your, in your heart to do so. Psalm 51. Here we go. The God of my salvation, have mercy on me. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, 
blot out the stain of my sins. For I was born a sinner from the moment my mother conceived me. What you are after is truth from the inside out. Enter me, conceive a new true life. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Going through the motions does not please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. You will not despise my tenderness as I bow down humbly at your feet. And when we are fully restored, you will rejoice and take delight in every offering of our lives as we bring our sacrifices of righteousness before you in love. Renew me today, God, as I renew myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Father God, you hear and you heard our prayer. And perhaps it'll be one we'll continue to pray over the days to come. And what you have done today, what you have started today in our lives, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would seal it in our hearts so that the birds of the air and snares of this world could not steal it or choke it away. But right now, water it and let it begin to take root so that the roots will go deep. And Christ, you'll go high in our life. You'll grow big in us. Your kingdom will expand and it will affect and touch every part of our life, spirit, soul, and body. We latch on to that today by faith. Keep this close to us, Lord. Daily, tenderly remind us, you want to be the center. So when anything tries to take that spot, we'll stop, recognize it, and repent. And rightfully place you on the center. We honor you today, and we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.